Let's get real for a minute and talk about business. It's hard work. A lot of people don't think you can do it. and We beat ourselves up a lot. We're going to talk about all those things in this episode of the AMPM podcast. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan. And in every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of AM PM Podcast. And today, it's just me. We're usually going to have guests and interviewees on, but today I wanted to share some thoughts from me personally, so I hope you'll allow me to do that. This is also my first episode after Manny Coates handed this podcast over to me, and I can't tell you how honored I am to be here. I also appreciate all the support and kind words that have come in this week as the announcement was made that I was taking over and the episodes dropped. If it wasn't for the encouragement, based on the, the love of the content and the community out there as a whole, we wouldn't be doing this. So thank you for all of the comments and great responses, I guess would be a good way of saying this, that you guys have sent over the past week. And again, super, super glad to be here. If you want to hear more about my business journey over the past five or six years, go back and watch episode or listen to episode 195 if you haven't done that already, the one with Manny. I go into a pretty good recap on what's been going on the past few years, and that's a good place to check that out. But today, I want to talk about entrepreneurship. I want to share some thoughts that always surface up when people ask me things like, hey, isn't it great running your own business? Or saying things like, must be nice to be the boss. (laughs) And when I hear comments like that or hear questions, three things generally pop to mind. There's a lot of other, but it's always these three recurring things that I wish that someone had told me before I jumped in kind of full steam ahead in entrepreneurship and some things that I kind of want to share now. It was only a few years ago, maybe two years ago. I remember standing upstairs in my house, wife and kids are there, and I am on my cell phone with tears running down my face. Tears. And I'm one of those guys that, I mean, I could cry over a sappy movie. Don't get me wrong, like Land Before Time, I still cry at the end of Land Before Time when they find the Hidden Valley, but I digress. But I'm also one of the guys that starts crying when I get angry, super angry, furious. And it was terrible back in like elementary school or middle school because someone picked on me. It would make me so mad. I'd cry and they'd start picking on me more, you know, because I'm crying. So if you're one of those people that have ever seen me like so angry that tears were running down my face, you know that I was I was worked up. And that night on the phone, that's what was going on. The person on the other end of the phone was a family member close to me that I guess felt the need to warn me and to have an intervention and tell me that it was time to stop this nonsense. And the nonsense they were talking about was entrepreneurship. This person had worked their whole life in a corporate job, had a good job, came from, you know, cubicle life, I guess you'd call it. And this person who cared about my family had decided that that I was being too reckless, that I was being too ambitious, maybe, and it wasn't necessary. See, at the time, I still had a job as a firefighter. Uh, It's not really a nine-to-five job. The hours are different, but it was a steady job. It was a government job, steady paycheck, insurance, retirement, all that good stuff that everybody hopes for and achieves. But I was spending more time and focusing more on my entrepreneurial journey. And this person was saying things like, you are not capable enough 
to run this elaborate business. See, at the time, I was still doing government procurement. We had a business in Africa, Kenya, doing heavy equipment, selling heavy equipment, shipping it there. I was doing seven figures in e-commerce on Amazon and eBay. I was working as a firefighter, and I just started the business Hickory Flats. For we No, I hadn't just started. I'd been for a while operating the business Hickory Flats, where we were doing shipping and sourcing and 3PO warehousing and stuff in the States. So it was a lot on my plate. And this person was telling me that I was spending too much time on this, and it was reckless, and that it was going to potentially wreck the family. Comments were made like, you are one paycheck away from bankruptcy. You will go to jail if they find out you're doing anything illegal. Like all these terrible things. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I'm actually doing pretty good at this, pretty well at this. Like I could be one of those people that just settles in life with a steady paycheck, which is great, but that's not me. Like I want more. I want to do more. I want to accomplish more. I want to help more people. I want to learn more. I want to travel more, all these things. And this person is telling me legitimately that I'm not good enough. And this person was telling me this because they were worried about the security and the stability of their family. It was heartbreaking. It was a wreck. It made me think back to another time in my life when I'd been told I couldn't do anything. It was when I came home from, I guess it was winter break after my freshman year in college. And college was 800 miles away from home. A whole new set of friends, a whole new set of people. Didn't know anybody when I got there, but I made really good friends with a lot of really, really cool people. Some that were not cool either, but one of them was a pre-med student and he and I, Jared was his name. Me and Jared got along real well. And I got so interested in medicine for some reason, like the idea of becoming a doctor, becoming a specialist and getting into the whole biology, chemistry, pre-med, you know, course. And at the time I was undecided. So I went home over Christmas break and I remember sitting in the car riding with my dad and we roll into a Home Depot parking lot about the same time that I'm telling him, hey, I think I'm going to declare my major as pre-med. And he stops the car and he puts it in park and he's silent for a while. I think it's kind of weird. What, what do you think? He said, you know, Tim, there are certain things in life that people just have to understand and people just have to realize. And one of them is their strengths and their weaknesses. He said, I don't want you to be set up for failure. And I am convinced that if you try to go the medical school route, that you will not succeed. He said, it takes a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of studying. You have to be incredibly smart. And he said, you might struggle through it and barely scrape by. He said, but if you stuck with a different major that was closer to, you know, like what you're more comfortable with, you'd probably be more likely to succeed. And it really took the wind out of me. I remember sitting there thinking, holy crap, like, is this sage wisdom or is this just complete bull crap? Whatever it was, it stopped me from that path. And I decided to go with business, which has been great. But that was basically the reason why I didn't declare pre-med and, and didn't go down that route. Now, later on in my life, I got to doing a lot of things. And one of the things that I got to do that was very impactful for me was go down to Haiti after the 2010 earthquakes, just catastrophic, tragic earthquakes. I was on the ground just like two and a half days after the earthquake hit. Go back and look up images. I mean, it's just awful. And I was a structural collapse specialist. So I went down there on a, a USAR team, our urban search and rescue team. And we were basically looking for survivors. 
And somehow I got roped into working at a field hospital at the airport that was run by the Marines and uh, University of Miami, I believe. So all of these incredibly amazing doctors, physicians, surgeons, orthopedic specialists are flying to Miami and they're coming into this tent hospital where we are literally doing massive surgeries. Like we're doing, I hate to say it, but like amputations from crushed limbs and we're doing like reconstructive surgeries on a plywood floor with grass sticking out of the cracks in a tent in Haiti, right? And I got to work with an incredible team of doctors in the x-ray and bone setting unit. So what would happen is people would come in, they would get an x-ray of whatever appendage they had. And sometimes this is days or weeks later after the earthquake because it's taking them that long to walk to find medical care, right? And I was setting bones, I was putting casts on, I was assessing and helping triage, like if this person needs surgery, if this person should be airlifted out to the Naval Hospital Ship Mercy, we can just cast them and send them on their way, whatever it was. And I worked for like a week and a half with these incredible orthopedic surgeons, essentially, and I was their main assistant. And multiple times, many of them came and said, Tim, why have you not gone to medical school? Like, you are great at this. Like, you know, you're a basic EMT at this point, and you are like assessing bone reconstructive strategy, and you're able to understand how the muscles, ligaments, and bone. Long story short, it was awesome. And I still, I'm in contact with some of these folks. And I remember thinking, wow, this is interesting because I had someone tell me I couldn't do it. And these are orthopedic surgeons that I'm working with in a field hospital in Haiti that are saying, wow, Tim, where did you come from? Like, you should be in medicine. You need to go back to medical school now because this is what you need to do. Later on, as, as I went through life and I look back at things like going through EMT school, like I graduated top of my class EMT school with very little effort. I'll be honest with you. And if any of you in my class are listening, this is gonna make you mad, but I never studied. I never really had to try. Like I just breezed through it because it came so naturally to me. And here's my point. All right. I'm not bragging about how to been a great doctor. My point is I listened to somebody tell me I couldn't do it. And years later, I realized I absolutely could have done it and I probably would have been great. So the first point I want to make today, and this is a big one, is that you do not need permission. You as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a side hustler, or a full-time hustler, it doesn't matter. You don't need the permission of anybody else. You don't need anybody to allow you to do this. The truth is, and I've come to learn this the hard way, people do not understand what we do, especially in e-commerce, selling on Amazon, whatever we do. People look at me and, and, and I try to describe what I do and their eyes kind of glaze over and they lose interest. I have people that think that it's all like some pyramid scheme. I have people that think it's some life hack that's going to blow up, that it's some cheat, that it's, that it's something that, that's not even tangible. And the truth is, I've listened to those people so many times in my life and let them convince me that what I'm doing is not real or that I'm not going to be a good enough entrepreneur or that I can't make it myself. And it's slowed me down. It hasn't stopped me, but man, it's been a giant weight on my shoulders. People are always going to doubt you. People in your life, sometimes very close to you, will always have an opinion. Whether you're a full-time business owner or you're, you're thinking about starting a side hustle or you're still working a nine-to-five job and, and you're doing a little bit on the side selling e-commerce or got into an Airbnb investment property or something, someone's always going to have an opinion. I know a lot of people, their spouses, that think it's, oh, it's a hobby, it's a fad, it'll, it'll blow over, but they don't take this business seriously. Screw that. There are a ton of people, a ton of people with very little formal education, 
very little formal training. They don't have a pedigree. They don't have this great resume that says they're going to be a great business owner, but they are. They are. They do incredible things. They do an incredible job. They make a difference for their life, for their family, for others around them. And they had people telling them that they could not do it. Folks, we have to stop listening to that. We have to stop listening to people tell us what we should or should not be doing when it comes to starting our business. And we have to stop listening to ourselves because we ourselves are very inclined to believe that we can't do this either or that we need permission from somebody else. We do not need anybody else's permission. All you have to have is yours. Second point I want to make today is that entrepreneurship is hard freaking work. It is incredibly difficult. When you start a business, you have to wear the hat of CEO, CFO, CMO, janitor, shipping boy, errand runner, attorney, payroll. Like It is a lot of work. My old grandpa used to tell me, and you guys have heard this before, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And that's the same way with business. If this were easy, everybody would do it. If all you had to do was start an online business and hit the go button and you made a lot of money, everybody would be doing it. No, it's hard work. Some aspects of it are easy, but the things that really matter, the things that really push the envelope, things that really set you apart, you have to work harder than your competitor. You have to work harder than the next person in line behind you. There's always a lot of hard work. And it's a lot of hours. There's a sign here on my wall next to me. You can't see it in the screen, but it says, it's a, it's a definition, entrepreneur. A person who's up working 100 hours a week for themselves to avoid working 40 hours a week for someone else. And we were setting up this podcast studio. This was shipped to me and I didn't even know what was coming. And I pulled this sign out and I was like, yes, this is amazing. This is it. because. There's so many people that have this mindset of like the, the four-hour work week, which don't get me wrong, there's some good principles in there, but, but owning a business is not about working four hours a week. Or if it is, it wasn't the beginning. I know some people that, that they legitimately just have their business set almost an autopilot, and maybe they do work four, six, 10 hours a week, just keeping it going. But in the years and years and years prior to that, they had to work 100 hours a week, but it's worth it. All right? It's worth it. But don't let anybody tell you that it's not hard work. In the, the digital space that we're in, whether it's e-commerce, digital marketing, affiliates, freelance, whatever, people sell easy because they have to sell something. They have to sell this dream of, oh, do steps one, two, three, and start making another $500 a month, $5,000 a month, whatever it is. A lot of the people that are putting those messages out there are selling you something. And if I'm going to sell a course on an automated Amazon FBA business, I'm going to sell more courses if I can convince you that it's easy, right? And unfortunately, those of us that are starting to delve into the e-commerce world or we're, or we're there in a fairly substantial manner, we get hit with a lot of ads and we get hit with a lot of messages and we get hit with a lot of sales pitches. And it starts to leak into our brain as truth that it's easy, it's easy, it's easy. There's been times when I've taken a step back and thought, what am I doing? I'm working so hard. This is so difficult. I must be doing it wrong because everybody says it's easy, right? And I'm sure a lot of you are, that are listening understand and, and completely get what I'm saying right now. But don't let people sell you with the fact of easy and it, and it change your path or your plan or discourage you because it is not easy. It's a lot of hard work. I read this book called Built to Sell. I highly recommend it. 
And this book talks about building a business that you can eventually sell, but it also talks about outsourcing and, and extricating yourself from the internal workings of the business. And as I have built businesses and I've been involved in businesses, I've seen myself do that. I take this simple task and I outsource it, and I outsource this, and I outsource this, and I outsource this, and I start moving up the chain. But unfortunately, well, I shouldn't say unfortunately, fortunately, if we're going to grow a business and be successful in business, for everything we outsource, there's one or two more things that we have to adopt. So I've outsourced my customer service on Amazon. Great. But now I have to research and find 10 more products, right? So it doesn't necessarily become less work. The work just changes, but it's still hard work. Be prepared for that. Why does this matter? Because if you go into this thinking it's going to be easy and you find out that it's hard and it's a lot of hard work, you can get discouraged. But if you go in this with the right mindset thinking, hey, like it's time to lace up my boots and buckle on my helmet and let's freaking go, like you're going to be more likely to do well. I fly a lot. 2019, I flew over 250,000 actual miles. And one thing I noticed was that the long haul flights, like the 16 hour flights to Hong Kong or Thailand or whatever it is, were actually easier on me than like an hour and a half flight. The hour and a half flight seemed like it was never going to end. Oh my gosh, when am I going to land in Dallas? We're long haul flights. Well, okay, I'm here. And it's because of the mindset going into it, I knew this is going to be a really long journey. I knew this is going to be hard. I knew I was going to have to stay hydrated. I knew I was going to have to work on my jet lag. But on the short ones, I just went into it thinking, oh, short flight, not going to be a big deal. My point is when you have the mindset of this is going to be a difficult journey, this is not going to be simple, you actually do better. So remember, entrepreneurship is hard work. But when we prepare for that, we're going to be good. So what do we do knowing this is going to be hard work, knowing that we're going to have to wear a lot of hats and we might not be experiencing all this? I heard a great analogy once, another time I was on my cell phone, but this time I was laying in my walk-in closet. I don't remember why. I just remember laying on the floor of my walk-in closet. And I'm talking to this guy who's a service provider in the e-commerce space. And at the time I was doing the shipping and sourcing and logistics. And he told me, he said, Tim, there are so many people that compete for the same customers. He said, and we're so worried about what this person's advertising or what this person's doing. He's like, if we just stopped worrying about what everybody else is doing and, and competing with them and start working together, we could have more. So what are you talking about? He said, well, think of this space as a pie, right? Or as a pizza. This is how many Amazon sellers are out there that we can perform a function for, you know, like your shipping company. He said, and these are all the customers and you've got other shipping companies and you're all vying for the same market share, essentially. He said, if you would work together with some of these shipping companies, some of these other three PLs, he said, and educate more people and make it easier for people to become e-commerce sellers and build a bigger community, we build a bigger pizza. He said, and then when you build a bigger pizza, you don't have to fight for the small pieces. You have a bigger piece yourself and you're not worried about anybody else. And what I've noticed is this whole pizza analogy, like build a bigger pizza, it applies to every type of business, not just service fighters. I have a coaching group, the Centurion League, and twice a week, this group comes in and, and we all get on a Zoom call and we have a round table and we talk. And what was crazy to me was a few, maybe a few months ago, maybe six months ago, I had a, one of our members come and say, hey, Tim, look, I would like to actually share my products with the entire group. And I want to get people's opinions and I want to show people what I'm doing to help them. I thought, well, this is odd because in the e-commerce space, everybody's super secretive about what they do. And a lot of times there's a good reason for that. But brick and mortar stores and big brands, they tell everybody, oh, this is my brand. This is what I do. 
But in the e-commerce space, we're so worried about somebody copying what we do that I can go to a conference of 2,000 Amazon sellers and like nobody gives out a business card because they don't want to tell what their brand is. They don't tell their name is, right? And not their name, but their, their seller name, their store name. And what I noticed was we did this coaching call with a student and he shared what he was doing and it helped everybody in the group. But what's crazy is everybody else in the group started throwing him ideas and, I, and, and collaborating with him and finding ways to encourage him and give him little tips and, hey, I noticed this and maybe here's a different product you can add to this line. And it blew up and it was huge and it was great for him. And since then, like twice a month, we have people that share their product ideas and we all go through a deep dive on the analysis and the research. We have people that share their brands, their listings. It's great. What we've done in this group is realize that even e-commerce sellers, just selling products on Amazon, when we work together and build a bigger pizza, everybody's piece gets bigger. It's great. When I started thinking about building this bigger pizza and I started reaching out to more people and working together with other experts and getting advice from other people and letting other people weigh in and give me guidance and me giving guidance to others, everything got easier. Everything got easier. As we started to build a tribe around myself and like those that are really close to me, we started selling more online. We started having a whole lot more fun. We started having a support group. We started having the ability to help others in a larger sense. So I don't care what type of business you're running, right? Remember that it's hard work. And the more people that you can gather around yourself to make this journey more interesting, more fun, but also educate yourself, educate them, and, and not have that mindset of like, take a bigger piece of the pizza and just share the pizza, just make it bigger. Like I tell people all the time, share what you do, share your thoughts, share your ideas, because as you share those things, it will come back to you tenfold, right? Now, if you have like a crazy patented, you know, patentable idea coming up, don't share that. Don't get me wrong. But generally speaking, we can share a lot more than we do. And that helps us get over that, that struggle with this being incredibly hard work. That's my second point was entrepreneurship is hard. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. The third thing that always comes to mind when I'm talking to aspiring entrepreneurs or even successful entrepreneurs, and a lot of, a lot of times I see them struggle with this, is we forget that the business does not make us. I remember in 2019, I had some rough times, some rough patches. And one of the lowest points is I am literally sitting on my knees beside my bed with my head just resting on the pillow and I'm talking to my wife and I'm telling her how frustrated I am. I've got employees, I've got friends, I've got peers, I've got business partners, I've got suppliers, I've got all these people that are counting on me and I'm not sure I can do this. Like the weight is so much that I, I'm not sure that I can be successful at this. Like maybe I've taken on too much, maybe I'm the wrong guy, maybe Everybody's trusted the wrong guy and, and put their, their faith in me, and I can't pull this off. And it was crushing. I mean, tears in my eyes, not from anger this time, but just, just fear and sadness. Awful. And that was also about the time when I started noticing a change to my life in, in the way that I was handling everything, the way that my day-to-day -day actions were going. I couldn't sleep. I went one period once where I went seven days without sleeping. I would get in bed and I'd stare at the ceiling and I would just, my brain wouldn't shut off and I was just so worried about stuff and I was just dreading the next morning coming, but ready for the next morning coming so I could get back in and do what I needed to do. And 
even a lot of times I would, I would have those nights where I'm just like, all right, got to get to tomorrow, got to get to tomorrow and get some work done. And the next day, the wife would go to work, kids would go to school. And I would just sit on the couch and I'd sit on the couch in my shorts and t-shirt, not having showered. And I would push off all my meetings and I would turn on Netflix and I'd eat like three bowls of cereal <laughs> and I would uh, not do anything. And all day it would just get worse and worse because I knew I was being lazy and, and, and I was really being a piece of crap for pushing off all these meetings and ignoring all these people trying to get a hold of me. So it was getting worse throughout the day. But as it got worse, my condition got worse too. I, I was less likely to get up and start moving. I couldn't. I mean, it was awful. And finally, my wife, who's a nurse, was like, hey, uh, Tim, yeah, I noticed you're not sleeping and you look awful. Why don't you go see the doctor? Like, why don't you see the doctor? She's like, you need to go see the doctor. So I go to my doctor and I'm sitting there and I'm kind of embarrassed. I'm like, yeah, like, I'm really emotional. I've got uh, all this stuff going on. I can't sleep. He's like, how long has it been since you like seven days? He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, occasionally I like fall asleep during half an episode of Netflix at noon. But generally speaking, like, I can't sleep. He's like, well, this, this isn't a huge deal. It sounds like pretty, you know, basic case of clinical anxiety. It's like, you know, what's going on in life? We talked about life and all this pressure I was putting on myself and all the stress. He's like, yeah, this is perfectly common. He's like, you know, what we'll do is we'll give you some anti-anxiety meds to help you sleep. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be that guy like taking anti-anxiety meds, you know? He said, it'll be very temporary. What we're going to do is we're going to get you out of the cycle and get you moved on. And he gave me some medicine that made me sleep like a stinking bear in hibernation. It was, I didn't like it. The side effects were bad. I was always groggy, but it, it helped kick me out of the cycle. And then I also came to realize that I was suffering from, you know, some clinical depression and depression is one of those things in life that I had always just shirked as, as, I don't know, a cop out. You're like, Oh, if you're depressed, just choose to be happy. You know, I didn't understand mental health. I didn't understand mental well-being. I didn't understand how many people around me suffered with it. And, and we, we don't talk about it. We hide it. You know, we, we pretend it doesn't happen. And here I am like completely unable to work because I've got this terrible anxiety, which leads to sleeplessness, which leads to worry, which has eventually led to depression. And I realized, crap, I'm that guy. Like I'm that guy. And I made a vow to myself that I'm done with this. Like I'm, I'm no more ego is left on the table, like pure humility. Like let's get over this because I got crap to do. And I've got stuff that has to happen and I don't have time to sit around and, and not be productive. I started going through this path of trying to fix myself essentially, right? One thing that helped was I got out of some bad relationships around me. I started taking some medicine very short term to help kick this anxiety cycle and to get over this, this round of depression. And Guys, it's embarrassing to tell you that. Like, I'll be honest with you. There's not many guys out there. Well, I say guys, people generally, but especially guys, because we're all machismo and, you know, tough guys, John Wayne-ish and all that stuff. Like, it's tough to tell you that, but I think it's important for you to know this because so many of you, uh, whether you will admit it or not in public, you've suffered from the same things and you understand completely where I'm coming from. But another thing I started doing was a mountain of research. Why did this happen to me? Like, I've always been a pretty strong guy. I've got stuff in my history that I've overcome very well and never had any mental health issues. Like, like why me? And it was actually my wife. I have to give her credit. She started doing a lot of research and, and she started to pass this on to me. And one thing that, that I realized through a lot of research and like a lot of people tell me this entrepreneurs 
are massively more likely to encounter anxiety than the general public. Right? Entrepreneurs, I don't remember it was six times or 10 times or whatever, some of the reports varied. But we as entrepreneurs are much more likely to encounter anxiety than the rest of the world. Why is that? Why? Why entrepreneurs? Why are we the people that are more likely to have this struggle? And the reason is because we equate our business success with our personal success. And, and flip that over. We equate our personal success with our business success. Now think about that for a minute. Regular employees. I'm going to say regular employees. I just mean employees of a job. Like just regular. I come in. I trade hours for paycheck people. Right? If you get fired, is it a bummer? Absolutely. But it's not your fault. Well, it could be your fault if you get fired. But let's say you get laid off. The, the business goes under. The business goes bankrupt. All right. Think of all those Enron employees that had to walk out. Were they pissed? Yeah, they were pissed. But was it personally their fault? No, it was always somebody else's fault. Like they screwed the pooch. They, they made this business go under. Around here where I live, there's a lot of government contracts and people get laid off all the time from these big contracting places, Boeing and Raytheon and Lockheed and, and all these places. And you know what? If they get laid off, does it suck? Yeah. But it's not their fault. But we as businesses, or as business owners, we as entrepreneurs, our businesses are directly tied to us. So if our business doesn't go well, it's because we screwed up. We tell ourselves it's because we made a mistake, because we weren't good enough. And we put all this weight of our shoulders of the business being directly tied to us. And then we start to make our persona, our image, like our personality is related to our business. Like we're a brand owner. Like I'm this guy. Like me and this business are tied to the hip. This business is me. I'm this business. Folks, that is a fallacy. It's wrong. And we have to stop doing that. Now, can we be passionate about our business? Absolutely. Can we be proud of our business? Absolutely. But you know what? Sometimes businesses fail. I've got past businesses that failed. I've got past businesses that failed miserably. But you know what? That's part of the process. Go back to the beginning of this episode. I was talking about this family member that's on the phone with me. It, like I told him, I said, listen, like look at every successful land developer in the area that we live. Like they've all gone bankrupt at some point. 2008, great recession hit. All these land developers went bankrupt, but you know what? They got back on their feet. They didn't consider it, you know, the end of the line. They didn't stop working. And now they're very, very successful. This is part of the entrepreneurial journey is to fail. We will all fail at some point, whether it's a business going bankrupt, whether it's having to shut this down, whether it's having to tell our spouse or our loved ones or our siblings or our parents, hey, I screwed up. I lost this money. This didn't work. This product didn't work. This launch didn't work. This idea didn't work. This partnership fell apart. It doesn't matter. We all as entrepreneurs, if you're trying hard enough, will fail at something. And you know what? If we take those failures and put them on our shoulders and let those failures convince us that we aren't good enough, that we weren't good enough, that we won't be good enough, we will never reach the potential that we can. Never. And you know what else? We're going to suffer with anxiety. We're going to suffer with some form of depression or being depressed or being upset or, or taking this more personally than we should. I love entrepreneurism. I love being a business owner. I love new ventures. But you know what? I can't let that define me. I am more than my business. I am more than my partnership. I am more than this project that I've taken on. I am me independently from this. Now, 
Does my personality and my ability personally affect the business? Absolutely. Does my business teach me and help me grow and give me a bigger stage and, and help me do other things and have more freedom? Absolutely. They are related, but they're not the same thing. Occasionally, we got to take some time off. We got to separate ourselves. Hey, later this week, I'm recording. Later this week, I'm taking a half a day. I'm going fishing. And I'm going to turn my phone on airplane mode for four hours. And I'm going to stare at the water and the trees and the birds and probably not the fish because I'm not actually a very good fisherman. And I have some time to myself because I know that I need that. My mental health needs that. My creativity needs that. My employees, my partners, my employers, everybody needs that from me. They need me to separate myself, take a little time off and just retract. I've started at night turning my phone on airplane mode. Why do I do that? Because that's me time. That's when I have to sleep. Otherwise, I wake up at two in the morning and I turn around and I look at my notifications. What's going on? Who needs me? No, you have to take time for yourself. Don't answer people all hours. Separate yourself from your job. Your job is part of your life. Your business is a huge part of your life, but your life is not your business. It can't be that way because we will all fail. We all need time apart. We have to separate ourselves a little bit. Whew, all right, let me, let me step off my soapbox for just a second and recap. Business is hard work. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. If you're getting into entrepreneurism, if you're scaling your entrepreneurial venture, understand that it takes a lot of hours, a lot of hard work. Is it worth it? Yes, but it's not simple. We don't need someone else to give us permission. We can't let somebody else give us permission before we move on. We can't let the naysayers and the doubters and the people that don't take us seriously affect up here in our minds the way that we attack a project or a mission or a business or a project or whatever it is, right? Don't let other people stand in your way. You don't need their permission. And when you have people that tell you that you can't do it, when you have people tell you you can't go to medical school, you're not smart enough. When you have people tell you you're not qualified enough to own a business, you, you can't juggle a nine to five and three kids and start a business. Look around at the tribe of us. Look around at other entrepreneurs. Start listening to other people that have done it. Stop listening to people that don't have a clue what it's all about. Find a tribe, find a community. Start looking at other people that do it every day, day in, day out successfully and realize you have probably got all the same capabilities that they do. They may come in different shapes. They may come in different forms. But I know a lot, that sounds terrible. I know a lot of dummies with not great skills right out of the box that have just out hustled everybody. They're incredibly successful business owners right now. Don't let anybody get in your way. The other thing is we can't let our business become us. We can't let us become our business. We have to understand that business failures are one thing. They're not personal failures. We have to understand that we are more prone to anxiety. We're more prone to beating ourselves up. We're more prone to uh, negative like mindsets based on negative things. You know, like you've seen the entrepreneurial chart, you know, like day to day of a, an entrepreneur. It's like, I'm doing awesome. Oh, I suck. Oh, this work. This is great. Oh, this is horrible. We know that. We know that there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, but it's totally worth it. You only have one life to live. That's it. Once this life is gone, we're done. And if you miss this life, it's gone. There's no getting it back. So spend time doing what's important. Take care of your family. Take care of your friends. Take care of noble causes. Go out and help somebody. Take care of yourself. But if you also want to be an entrepreneur and you also want to grow 
a business, whether it's large or small, but what just successful, you better not let time slip by because 10 years, 15 years from now, the end of your life, you may look back and wish that you had. When I propose that you need to be looking back and being thankful that you did. So thank you. As we wrap up this episode, thank you for letting me speak to you. Thank you for letting me talk. Thank you for listening. And I hope something that I said resonated and maybe encourages or motivates you in your entrepreneurial journey, your business path, your life in general. All I ask is that you do me a favor. If you like this content, if you like anything that I've said, if, if anything struck a chord or resonated with you, just share it with someone else that might need to hear it also. Share it with someone else that might be able to learn from this, or maybe they're just starting on their entrepreneurial journey and want a warning, or maybe they're discouraged and they just need to hear that, hey, it's not all unicorn farts and rainbows. You know, it's, it's kind of tough. And just share it. Share it on Facebook. Share it through private messages. Tell somebody about it. doesn't matter. That's all I ask. Also, make sure that you like us. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, your favorite podcast platform. If you like us and if you follow us, you get notifications of new episodes. And after this launch week, we have three episodes. We're dropping a new episode every Thursday. Thank you guys for being here, listening to another episode of AMPM Podcast.